Hey everyone, Dr. Pat and I would personally like to invite you to join us in our Grow My Baby program. This is week-by-week pregnancy and birth information developed from our experience of helping more than 4,000 women grow and birth their babies. All our links are on our website, growmybaby.com.au. If you're trying to get pregnant or you are pregnant and you feel a little bit overwhelmed by all you need to know, then this is the right podcast for you. Welcome to the show. I'm Bridget Maloney. And I'm obstetrician Dr. Patrick Maloney. And this is The Kick your expert-led podcast that delivers the essentials of growing a baby. Make sure you head to our website, growmybaby.com.au, to get some awesome free tools like our Pregnancy Knowledge Checker to help you feel like you got this. Well, welcome, everyone. This is episode 50. Episode Episode 50. 50. And we're going to be doing uh, clotting in pregnancy and postpartum, and that's been another follower request, which is fantastic. We love the requests. Yes. But first of all, we just wanted to read a review. And this might be my second time to read it because the first time <laughs> I got a bit teary. I'll try and keep it together this time. Hi, Dr. Pat and Bridget. I just wanted to say thank you so much for making your podcast available to the world. Ooh. It has been truly life-changing for me. We are a Kiwi couple living in Japan having our first baby. Your podcast have enabled me to feel so empowered and helped me through my appointments by being able to ask the right questions and seek out the right advice and help. Most importantly, your podcast have provided me with knowledge, knowledge about how amazing the human body can be and knowledge about how some things may go wrong. This knowledge has significantly reduced my fears about birthing in a very, very foreign country away from all my family and friends. Yeah. So thank you both. And listening to this podcast is by far my most recommended advice to all pregnant females. Wow. How exciting. I, the bit that got me teary was like it's just so hard to be pregnant and having a baby away from family and friends and that's just something people have felt this whole COVID, COVID. lockdown. Yeah, yeah. Wherever you've been in the world, if you've been in a lockdown trying to have a baby. Yeah. It's one of the reasons we made the podcast in the first place though, yeah. isn't it, is that we we know people are away from their traditional sources of pregnancy wisdom. Yes, exactly. It can be hard to know what to trust in other online sources and so forth. Yeah. So. And we're just, you know, here in country Victoria, enjoying the time just coming out of lockdown, you know, and also that's a bit sort of daunting and scary for people too, because all of a sudden their baby or maybe even their pregnancy has been protected by the fact that they've been isolated. Away from everyone, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So it's one or the other, you Mm -hmm. know, it's very tricky. Anyway, so thank you so much for that DM. It's just so lovely to hear from people who are listening and who we are helping. It's very rewarding for us. Now, this um, next one is from someone who asked if we could do a podcast on blood clots and anticoagulation, which is what we're doing today. So, hi, could you do an episode on blood clots and prevention in pregnancy and postpartum? The hospital just told me I need to take an injection for six weeks after birth and I'm keen to know more. So that was one. And then we've got another one. Hi, I'm 22 weeks pregnant and have been listening to every podcast during my pregnancy, some eps a couple of times. My mum has a history of a DVT during pregnancy and now I am on daily injections. Interested to hear your thoughts. Good. You know, apart from me getting the Clexane injection after my seizures, this is a new topic for me. This is not anything that I've ever come across. So this will be helpful for me as much as everybody else, I think. So Yeah, well, I guess pregnancy and the postpartum period being a risky time for blood clots is something that we've all always known about. In fact, it's one of the reasons why some people with very bad pregnancy outcomes would run into significant trouble. It was from clotting. 
and we're better at it these days. And there's a growing list of reasons why we would actually want um, pregnant women to be anticoagulated during the pregnancy or in that postpartum phase, particularly the first six weeks. All right. And what is clotting? Because, you know, I know of a DVT and a pulmonary embolism and, and are there other forms? Yeah. So what we're talking about is abnormal clotting, not not the good clotting that happens, you know, if you injure, injure yeah, you yourself. Yeah, you want that to happen. You want your blood to clot. We're talking about spontaneous clotting that happens within the veins, typically the deep veins of your legs, but also the veins within the pelvis and the veins in pregnancy, sometimes in unusual places like the arms or up in your brain. Clots in those areas can be a significant problem. Clots in the brain can give a stroke-like picture. Clots in the legs, those big veins connect up with the veins that go up through the pelvis and up to back up to your heart. And the big risk there is something called pulmonary embolus, which is a blood clot that might start as a DVT, a deep venous thrombosis within the legs, and then spread to the lungs of pulmonary embolus. And that can be a very serious, potentially life-threatening event. All right. Well, this sounds all very scary. So how common is it in pregnancy? Well, it's not very common all the rest of the time, but pregnancy is a surprisingly powerful increaser of the risk of clots. So you're somewhere between five to 10 times more likely to get a clot when you're pregnant. And according to most of the data, between 15 and 35 times more likely to get a clot in that postpartum phase. All right. Wow. It's become a very important part of modern obstetric management is to try and pick who's at high risk, treat them preventatively so the clot never forms in the first place. How does it actually happen? Is everyone at risk of a clot? Well, everyone's at, at some risk. We think that they happen because the blood will pool in veins that are dilated. And when you're pregnant, because of placental hormones, the veins are dilated. So the blood's more likely to pool in your legs in the first place. Also, when you're pregnant, the veins have got valves in them so that blood will be pushed back up towards your heart and then it won't just run back down to your feet again. And those veins don't work terribly well under the effect of placental hormones as well. So people see that in the development of problems like varicose veins in the legs and hemorrhoids and vulval varicosities, the varicose veins in the vulva. Now, none of those are dangerous. They're superficial veins. But down in the deep veins, the ones that do connect back up to the central circulation, those uh, valves aren't working terribly well either. Mm. Okay. Then you've got compression of the big veins by the big uterus, changes in the clottability of the blood caused by the pregnancy itself. Mm. So the closer you get to the full term, the more clotty your blood is. Mm. Blood clotting is a complex affair where there's these things in your blood called coagulation factors. The closer you get to full term, you've just got more of them and the blood is just more likely uh, to clot. And that process doesn't actually go back to normal until you're three months after the baby. So your blood is more clotty the closer you get to term and for three more months. And that's probably one of nature's systems to stop you bleeding out when you have the baby. Having big PPHs. Yeah. There's also a thing where blood vessels that are damaged have more of a clotting risk as well. So blood vessels might be damaged if you had a cesarean section or the effects of something like a big postpartum hemorrhage, or even in the relatively common obstetric condition of preeclampsia. Right. And what about just a long, sustained labour? Potentially because of immobility. Mm. So maybe if you're not that mobile in labour for some reason, then that might just be another little one percenter on the list. And so what's the most common time in a pregnancy that, you know, clots can occur? Well, the most common time is in the in the postpartum period, actually. And in pregnancy, the more likely the closer to term. Right. So what we try and do is work out by analysing risk factors, we try and work out who we should say, don't worry, you'll be fine, and who, and who should look at being anticoagulated. Yeah. So 
The biggest one is if you've had a clot before. Mm. So if you personally have had a clot before. And it's one thing to have got maybe a clot in your leg because you broke your leg because that's provoked. The fracture clearly caused it. But it's worse if you have had a clot before that didn't have an obvious provoking effect. So previous clots, then immediate family members. Asking about a mum who had a history of a DVT, yeah. Yeah. So even if no one ever got to the bottom of why her mum got that, that's a relevant family history. Then there's some things called thrombophilias, which are actually diagnosed procoagulation disorders. So there's a couple of genetic things that sometimes run in families which make you just more clotty. And that person would know that going into the pregnancy that they had thrombophilia. Yeah, Yeah. maybe. So, you know, let's say, for example, you had a sister who had a bad clot in pregnancy and she was tested and found to have one of these named conditions that promote coagulation, abnormal coagulation. Then as a first degree relative, you might be tested as well. And you might be fortunate enough to know about that before you got pregnant and had got yourself. Yeah. Smoking increases the risk. Being overweight increases the risk. Age of over 35 increases the risk. You know, there are some other common things. If you're having a Caesar, that's more risky. From all points of view, it might be your safest way to have the baby. But from clotting point of view, it's slightly riskier than vaginal birth. Big hemorrhages are surprisingly promoting of clots. That doesn't make sense. Don't you want a clot to stop the hemorrhage? Yeah, but afterwards. So if you've had a clot more than a 1,000 mils, you might not want to be anticoagulated that day. But from the very next day when the bleeding's been fixed, we'll often anticoagulate those women. We know they're at much higher risk. Yeah. Can I go back to the smoking? Yep. So say somebody's pregnant but they stopped smoking, you know, a year before they got pregnant. Are they still classed at higher risk? No, no, we're talking about current smokers. Yeah. So smoking is involved in a thing called endothelial dysfunction, which is the interior lining of blood vessels. And when you're a smoker, that lining is more likely to be abnormal in a way that promotes clotting. Mm -hmm. But if you quit, it goes back to normal surprisingly quickly. Okay. Yeah. And let's say, for example, you're over 35 and you might have a high BMI. Is it a certain that you'd be anticoagulated during your pregnancy? Well, not really. There's a couple of problems. One is that you might have one of those risk factors and on its own, it might not be worth it. You know, it might only increase your risk just a little bit and being anticoagulated is a bit of a pain. We use this drug called Clexane, which is usually a daily injection when it's used preventatively. But we don't want people coming to the hospital or the doctor every day, so we want them to learn to self-inject. Mm. It's got a little thing looks like an insulin needle on it, and you just pop it in up to the hilt and inject yourself. It's not that hard, but, you know, again, it's no one's idea of fun. I always found it a little painful. You've just, you know, gone through the birth and all the rest, and it feels like the insult. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they come yeah. In and because it's so superficial, it hurts a little bit because yeah. it's really small. And no, they def- it definitely hurts. For anyone wanting to extend their knowledge and bring some calm and confidence into growing your baby, we invite you to our free masterclass. In this hour of power, we talk about the most common mistakes we all make when we are growing a baby and why these mistakes can cause unnecessary overwhelm. In our clinic, we have helped thousands of women have their babies and we want to share the knowledge with you that we've gained so you can feel supported, reassured, calm and confident. If this is you, in this episode link in Spotify or iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts, you'll find a link to the masterclass. Jump on it and choose a time that suits you. If you can't find the link, send us an email at info at growmybaby.com.au or as a DM in Instagram. We are here to help you level up your knowledge.
Now back to the show. So how many of these risk factors do you need before you sort of tipped over some magical line where suddenly your risk of, of clotting is enough to warrant anticoagulation? The answer is there aren't really enough good sets of guidelines to guide clinicians on that. And often it comes down to the practice within your institution. There are some sets of guidelines that are out there, but what we often see is that if people have got two or three risk factors, then we'll do it. And if maybe if they've got one, we won't, unless that one risk factor is a really powerful one. Yeah, like they've had a clot. Yes, before. like a personal yeah. history. Yeah. 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 All right. If we haven't actually gone to that point where somebody's diagnosed one of these risk factors and sort of said, okay, well, this is on our radar, you need to be anticoagulated, can we actually diagnose clotting in ourselves? Like, what, Are there any symptoms and signs we need to look out for? Absolutely. So deep venous thrombosis is blood clotting in the legs. That is typically painful. So we talk about swollen legs, but it's common to have swollen legs in pregnancy, isn't it, from oh, like, yeah. Yeah, totally benign swelling, which but is normal. But it's mostly bilateral, like both legs are swollen. Yeah. Yes, mostly, but not always. Right. Yeah, you can have benign unilateral leg swelling oh, in pregnancy. Mm. If you've got a little bit of preeclampsia, you might have some swollen ankles. Mm. But the swelling related to deep venous thrombosis is typically painful. Mm. And the other swelling is might be a little uncomfortable, but not typically painful. Yeah, you know, if I'm thinking about feeling like my legs had swollen, it's just sort of uncomfortable pressure feeling, but that's yes. not what you're describing. No, we're talking about painful, possibly severely painful. It's swollen, it's red, mm. it's hot, and it hurts to touch. It's tender, okay? Yeah. So that's the textbook deep venous DVT. thrombosis. Okay. And if you've got that or anything like it, that needs urgent attention. It's diagnosed on ultrasound. So they do an ultrasound of the vein in question, wherever that vein might be. If there's a clot in the vein, then the, you can't squish the vein with the ultrasound probe. They can find what's called a non-compressible vessel, must have a clot inside it, and they can also measure Doppler flow, which is flow down a vessel. And if the flow is abnormal, it, it suggests the presence of a clot inside it. So that's a trip to the emergency department? That's right. That's an emergency department sort of presentation. And pulmonary embolus, hopefully we don't get this far, but pulmonary embolus typically in the textbook presents as sudden onset shortness of breath. Yeah. So someone with a pulmonary embolus will be short of breath out of the blue. Yeah. There's often chest pain, a cough, hemoptysis, which is, you know, coughing up blood, sweating. They look sick and the presentation might be with collapse. Oh, wow. Okay. So yep. pregnant woman found unconscious. If a pulmonary embolus is suspected, that's not an ultrasound. If you think the clot's got travelled to the lungs, then you need a lung scan. Mm -hmm. And there are two different ones of those, both of which are pretty safe to, or very safe to have in pregnancy. One's called a CTPA, which is like a CAT scan of the lungs. The other one's called a VQ scan, which is a different way to image the lungs. You can see a little defect or deficit on the scan, which is where the clot's sitting. And both are just whatever's offered at the emergency department that yes, you Yes, it doesn't to. really matter which yep. one you have and it's usually that they've got one easily available within your hospital. Yep. Yeah. A quick diagnosis is important and the treatment is anticoagulation, not preventative or prophylactic anticoagulation like we might have if we had a high-risk patient who didn't have a clot. Yeah. We're trying to prevent one. But therapeutic or treatment anticoagulation, which is the same stuff but given at higher doses and more often. And, I mean, at this stage, it's just what has to happen. But is there risks to the baby? The risk to the baby is via the risk to mum. So the clot won't go through the baby, but if mum becomes very unwell, blood clot, falling oxygen levels, mm. that's where the baby gets their oxygen from as well. Right. And what about the treatment? If they've had therapeutic doses of Clexane, is there a problem with the baby? No, it's a surprisingly powerful drug, but it's very safe to use in pregnancy. 
and Clexane, the drug we're talking about, doesn't cross the placenta. Okay. Okay, so it's a very effective drug in mum and uh, doesn't trouble the baby. Or the breast milk. Right. So to use it postpartum for six weeks, three months, that doesn't affect breastfeeding either. So after Caesar, I only had to have that Clexane for three or four days. But these people that are having it for six weeks, why are they needing it? For that long after postpartum? Yeah, so cesarean section is one of the clot-provoking things that we've known about for the longest. And it's one of the reasons why having a CC used to be dangerous. You know, since we've had easily accessible once daily dosing for anticoagulation for clot prevention, one of the first things they started doing was was to say, well, if you've had a Caesar, that's, a, that's an increased risk and you should just have anticoagulation, one injection a day for the time you're in the hospital. Yeah. Then when you go home, you're moving around a lot more, the blood's flowing better, you're not pregnant anymore, and you'll be right without it. Let's say, for example, the woman's got a past history of having had a clot within the six weeks following the baby, then she should be anticoagulated for the six weeks. Mm. And then there are some conditions, some of those thrombophilias, the inherited conditions where your body's more likely to clot, some of those need three months. And what about somebody that has had Clexane their whole pregnancy because they've got some of those risk factors you were talking about? Yeah. Do we stop it just before birth? When you're actually having the labour or a caesarean section, you want your clotting back again? Yeah. So if there's a planned caesarean section being done for some reason, like two previous seasons, then that's pretty easy because you can just stop the Clexane the day before the planned caesar and then the 24 hours later when the caesar's uh, due to happen, the clotting's back again. Yeah. And that allows you to have a safe operation and then also a safe anaesthetic because what you really want is a spinal anaesthetic, you know, where we put a little needle in your back and makes you numb from the chest down so you can be awake to experience a birth. Uh, that particular technique is unsafe if you're anticoagulated. Right. So you want to get all your coagulation back, have your spinal, have your Caesar, and then the next day be anticoagulated again. Yeah. And even probably harder in a spontaneous labour. Yeah, that's the problem. Right? You might have just had your Clexane mm. and then 10 seconds later your waters break and you start to contract. And right when you need your coagulation, when your baby comes out and the placenta's coming loose and all those sort of things, you're still under the effect of the Clexane. Yeah. So to get around that, we'll sometimes do an induction after 38 weeks where we say, rightio, let's get out while the going's good, mm. stop the Clexane break the waters the next day, have the baby, and then back on Clexane after. Yeah. All right, so that sounds like just a managed approach. It's a managed yeah. approach. And it's, one of, it's a good way of putting it. It's, it's managed. It's one of those things that we do that adds to the list of things that we do to interfere. But in someone with a serious clotting risk, the risk of interfering is less than the risk of not interfering. Yeah. Well, thank you for listening to this podcast. We'd love to know what you think of it. Come into our DMs on our Instagram, which is at grow underscore my underscore baby. Come into our DMs and tell us uh, what you think about this and whether you've been anticoagulated during your pregnancy. We'd love to hear your experiences. Until then, thank you for listening and we'll see you soon. Thanks for listening, everyone. See you next time. Bye now. 